Greetings, geeks, and welcome to our summer blockbuster podcast series. I'm Regina McMenemy, the lead ambassador for the Geek Embassy. And I'm Rhonda Oglesby, the wildcard ambassador. And this is episode 163, recorded on July 20th, 2016. For this podcast season, we are watching blockbuster summer movies. Each month through August, we will select a new movie and then see, analyze, and celebrate and critique that movie. This month, Rhonda and I both saw Ghostbusters. And we'll close out the show with some streaming recommendations for your summer vacation downtime. So the internet went absolutely crazy when the trailer for this Ghostbusters came out. Yep. I mean, it just, it lost its collective digitized mind. Yes. (laughs) And it was months ago because we were on uh, Studio FUBAR talking about it. Yes. And that was March. Oh, don't ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) Date and times are not my thing unless I have my calendar out. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have a spreadsheet of all the episodes we've made on other shows. (laughs) Uh, So there was a lot of hype about it, and there's lots of talk about potentially uh, dilating or um, diluting uh, the classic and well-loved franchise of Ghostbusters. Um, you know, 30 years ago, the original was released. Um, the music from it, the um, lines from it, I mean, they're quoted in pop culture all the time. Uh, very iconic. Yeah. So they had a lot to live up to with this. Yeah. It, 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 it is a canon piece. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it was released on July 15th, and it had an okay but not great opening weekend. Right, it's in terms of sort of like the money that it made. I was yeah. read and I thought, That's you know, it didn't, it didn't have, a, it didn't blow it out of the park. It wasn't a blockbuster opening weekend. Right, it wasn't a blockbuster opening, but a decent opening, but not great. Um, it stars four uh, talented women: Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, Kirsten Wig, and Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Um, and it's a remake of the 1984 classic, um, starring some of our fantastic. Um, actors Classic like Gilmer, actors. Yep. Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, Ernie Hudson, and Harold Ramis, who they actually dedicated the film to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is awesome. So, um, yeah, so, you know, they had, like I said, they had some big shoes to fill. Yeah, and um, because it was a remake, it deals with everything from, you know, the beginnings of Ghostbusters, how they came together, how they got their name, their logo, their headquarters, everything. And right. um, there are cameos, so um, that that's not a surprise um, no. all in and of itself, but I didn't know all of the cameos that were going to be in it, so I'm not going to talk about any of those because they are fun. They are really they're fun. They're really fun when they show up, so um, it's still only one week or so after the release, so we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much of it because we are sort of right on top of it just coming yeah. out. Um, but it was. Um, I don't know. So, what were your who? What were your overall? What, what's your overall impression? Um, well, when the when when I left the theater, all I think that their opening weekend was. Um, was so poor because there was already so much press coming out saying this is a bad movie. This is a mess. Right. And, um, 
th- that kind of thing where the movie was already a hot button anyway. I think right. if there had been one in a million articles that had come out and said this is a horrible movie, that's the only article they would have run. Right. Um, because that's the only way that it could continue to be a hot button topic. And since I think the news and media is nothing but a money making marketing scheme, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it was. I think it affected a lot of people's opinion. Um, but that being said, when I left, I was thinking, well, you know, I kind of enjoyed that. I mean. It was yeah. well made, and yeah. the ladies were funny, and but yeah. but something felt wrong, hmm. and I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. I was like, you know, it it could have been better. Yeah. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't what I wanted. Hmm. But um, when I heard, you know, this is a an absolute mess, I was like, I didn't get that feeling from it. No, I didn't. I didn't feel that way about it at all. I didn't. I didn't feel like it was a mess. I didn't feel like um, it was problematic. I don't feel like it dissed on the original. Um, I think one of the things I'm noticing about current remakes, um, I think that here's what they figured out. What they what they've tried to do before is kind of keep the same kind of characters and put them in new stories. And now what they're doing with remakes is keeping the same narrative structure yeah. with new characters. And that, I think, is working out a lot better because you don't have um, Ian McGregor trying to fill Alec Guinness's shoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have somebody who's trying to take on an iconic role that way. So I feel like they're doing a lot better with that, and that's how I felt about this. My concern going in, I didn't, I didn't read, I, I generally don't. If I'm going to see a movie, I, I try to actually avoid most of the press around it before I see it because I want to be able to go in with my own um, impression of it. But I had seen actually quite a bit of positive talk about it, um, not like reviews necessarily, but talk and people on Facebook or Twitter who were saying positive experiences they had had of it as a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a little bit of that kind of buzz going in. My fear, given the cast, um, particularly uh, Kirsten Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, uh, was that this was going to be the bridesmaids of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right? That it was going to be very low humor, that it was going to be very vulgar. And not that I'm against that kind of humor, but it's not my thing. Like, I, I hate, I watch Bridesmaids. I had a friend of mine tell me I had to watch it. It was so much fun. It was going to be so great. And I just, like, I cringe through those those movies. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, why, why, why? Who, who does this and why? And so I was worried that that was going to be the aesthetic. So for me, I was delighted that that wasn't the case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, over, they overdid the sliming, you know, a bit for my taste. But, you know. <laughs> It still was within the story. It might have been gratuitous slime, but at least it was pertinent to the story. Yeah. Uh, so I was thankful it didn't have that oh, yeah. flavor to it. Yeah, I think that it had, um, I think it had smart humor, yeah. um, but I don't think that they uh, used the talent they had well enough. Mm-hmm. I think that the humor could have been much better. Yeah. Um, it could have been much smoother because when the when the humor was good it was dead on right exactly yeah um, and that was um yeah it was good go ahead no i'm sorry finish. i was mom oh no i was gonna say um i went and saw it with julie uh-huh. uh, who's uh, one of our ambassadors and she was not 
she didn't laugh as much as I did. So I knew she wasn't as impressed with it as I was. And I have other, you know, reactions I want to talk about, too. But I asked her at the end of the movie, I'm like, so what did you think? And she's like, well, she's like, I think they missed a lot of opportunities for really good one-liners. Yes, they did. Like, they they had all this, like, set up to certain moments. And her example was... um, uh, they hop in the car toward the end, and they're just like, let's go. And it's like, what? Come on, really? Like, that was like a perfect, like, build-up moment to something epic that you remember from the movie, and it's, hey, let's go. Um, yeah, it was weird. So that, <laughs> it was, that had a weird feeling, too. It was like, that's it? That's how you, that's it? <laughs> well, and then I'm like, I, I don't, I don't remember if, like, like what was in the original at that moment that like maybe they were trying not to step on or like and like maybe that's part of that feeling is like they they really did handle some of the material maybe too carefully oh yeah i mean and that lost some humor too yeah i mean i kind of have a problem with uh, the remake um i thought that we were getting a whole new everything i did not know it was a literal remake Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean literal scene by scene and, and everything like that. What I but I did I thought that it was a reboot, and I prefer a reboot. If you're going to modernize it, if you're going to bring in new characters for it, I would rather I would rather you play pay homage and mm-hmm. just give us a new story um, right. with the new characters. Um, because I feel like that they crippled themselves from the very beginning with honoring the old material. I, that's what I think when I thought about it, that I, I landed on being the problem with, with the movie. The reason that it felt awkward at times and not, not fully realized is mm-hmm. I think that they had too much, uh, too many things on their agenda. Um, you know, paying homage to the original. Um, right. I felt like that there were too many, um, too many comments made in the film about them being women. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was one or two that were made. I, I my my thing is the ninety percent of your social media trolls are doing it for the attention. Right. And if you seriously think that that is a hot button and it's really a problem, you're, you're deceived by just the simple numbers. You are, you mm-hmm. are creating that. And we've talked about this here. Yeah. I, if you want to promote uh, gender equality or um, gender neutrality, you don't constantly point out gender. Right. You don't call attention to it constantly. And there was one scene where the four of them were together in the jumpsuits and they were just walking down the street. And I was like, this is gender neutrality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It does not matter who's walking down the street right now. It was right. a beautiful scene. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was a scene for everyone. Right. And... So the references to girls and uh, internet media stuff and validating them, I think what those were just a little cheap for the people mm-hmm. writing the film. 
and I think it distracted. Yeah. It took you actually out of the film to the media. It took away from it. the story. Yeah, it took away from the story. I I laughed at one point because um, they read one of the comments yeah. on the the YouTube video, and I'm like, oh, somebody actually said that about the movie, like <laughs> and, about the trailer. <laughs> and see, they they have just made that person. They've rewarded them for being a dick, and so right. now. They'll just go out and be a dick that much more because <clears throat> right. they might because get quoted in a book, get quoted in a TV right. show. They were quoted in a movie. Right, yeah. That's true. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. I did think it was an interesting kind of attempt at um, subverting the power of it. But like you said, it just things like that just give validation to things you don't want to give attention to or shouldn't want to give attention to. Believe me, the, the, the person who said that, had the best day. Yeah. <laughs> the best day. If, if they saw the movie, if they see the movie. <laughs> oh, they saw it. They absolutely saw it. Yeah, I I, I can agree with, with some with that um analysis of it and I I I did notice the constant referring to them not just as women but also as girls and um especially by the I don't want to give too much of it away, but by the powers that be who kept, like, talking about, you know, oh, all these girls or the media. Yeah, it's it's <clears> mentions of it. Yeah. It was distracting. And, yeah, quite honestly, I think Liam uh, uh, Hemsworth was distracting. You know, I I have conflicted feelings about Hemsworth. I was really glad he actually had something to do with the plot. He did? Yeah, when uh, when they actually tied him in at the end, and I don't want to say what because we're trying not to give spoilers away. But had they not done that, I would have been like, I mean, at least that was some moment, and it kind of, I don't know, they didn't establish enough relationship for us to care about him. Well, it was just so random at the end. Oh, I don't know. Everything <laughs> was. It was. I mean, even the the scene, which is it, it is completely flushed out in the film, but it has appeared in several clips where where everybody knows that Hemsworth is playing the new uh, Potts character where he's the administrative assistant for the Ghostbusters. They can't afford right. to pay anybody, so they have an uh, incompetent admin. But Hemsworth is playing a really, really, really stupid, um, yeah. beautiful person, which is a stereotype. Right. Yeah, it's a trope, and it's a, you know. And when he came on and they did that scene, it felt like that the movie stopped and they do, they were doing a sketch comedy. Right, yeah, because that, it, it did, it, it stepped, it completely stepped out of the story. Yeah, and it um, was in just order him do worth that. doing, boom, yeah. And it's like, guys, you've got to be kidding. This is going on too long. There's yeah. no endearment here. It's a one-man act. And... Yeah. After that, it was almost like he just had to be on the scene to make an appearance to stay in mm-hmm. the show. But, but between the interview and the the part where he actually enters the story, mm-hmm. I have no endearment toward him. When he's standing outside screaming, I have a right to be a Ghostbuster, it was like, well, hell, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, when that... When that showed up and and that that interaction happened, I was like, he, I mean, he hasn't been engaged with them at all. No. He's been running off to, you know, auditions or, you know, not answering the phone or, or whatever, like just, 
I mean, he has it could in have there. Explored the whole thing with the my cat and the luggage, and right. all of that was ex- was extremely humorous if they had taken it even a step further. Right. Yeah. They it it kind of hit hit a wall. And and you're right. And I agree with the whole like um he's he's calling out to them wanting to be a Ghostbuster and wanting to join the team. And it's like. Uh, yeah, it yeah, just felt nowhere. like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I wonder if that that might be an editing thing too. Maybe they edited out a scene. You know, sometimes it it doesn't take much like to establish enough of the character to make that connection. Exactly. It doesn't have to take much to do that. Um, like one scene or maybe mm-hmm. two short scenes together would have would have given the depth for for that where he actually showed an interest in what they were doing. Yeah. Because it you know as it stands there was no. There was no moment of connection between him, you know, seeking out and kind of checking into what they're doing other than to say, oh, you know, oh, you got a phone call and, you know, there's a ghost at this place, you know. Yeah. So. Well, and going back to the whole thing about sort of like the gender neutrality of it and, and not pointing out gender, I think having him having that trope was a, another step in the wrong direction. It's like. I agree. You've got to be kidding me. How come, I mean, when, um, I'm trying to think of her name now. Yeah, Annie Potts played Annie that Potts, role. Yeah. I was just going to, yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, And by the end of the was, movie, you loved her. Right, yeah. And she was and she was competent and she was able, but she was also funny and sarcastic and, she you know, enough of a balance. You totally wanted to know right. her. But you, yeah, exactly. You wanted to be her friend. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, I have a feeling, and I don't agree with this, but I have a feeling that the reason why that might have been, they might have had him be that character was to have, like, they felt like they needed some sort of balance because, because they did treat the other characters so well. Like, they were competent and able and smart, and they had good conversations amongst each other. And I don't know, like, maybe they felt like they needed some sort of comic relief, and that's what they were throwing it in there for. And not defending it, because I really don't think it worked, but... Yeah, but if you want to talk about sexism, I mean, that's objectification. Oh, it was entirely, entirely. And it was funny, because he walked onto the screen, you know, when he came in and was interviewing, Julie's like, oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, you didn't know he was in it? And she's like, nope, I had no idea. And so, (laughs) it's like, yeah, Amanda. I said, I'm sure I'll, he'll have his shirt off at some point in time. Yeah. Which he didn't actually but he in, did. like, a scene, but he had the pictures of himself with his shirt off. It was just, it was, <laughs> it just, it just felt wrong. Mm-hmm. Felt bad. Felt icky. Yeah. But I do want to talk about uh, some of the good things that I appreciated about it, which was the treatment of the, the female scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Holtzman, because I absolutely adore her. Oh, my like, God. It was my favorite character. She was my favorite character. Like, I want to cosplay. Like, I don't cosplay, but I'm going to cosplay her. Yeah. Um, and I might have to get, you know, a perm in order to do it. But um, I really do. I really, really loved having a female mad scientist yeah. <laughs> or mad engineer. Like, I just loved it. Um, and I thought she did a great job in the acting, and I thought the writing for her was really great, and her 
you know, performance carried it. Her timing was great. Her timing was good. Oh I mean, God. like, oh, God, she was just right on. Yeah. And I'm so delighted that that is a representation for young girls. Well, and she know, was so empowered. See. Oh, my God. Like, no, there was never a question. There was never a question. Yeah. I think I thought was it was awesome. interesting um, when we left the theater. Um, and my husband said she was his least favorite. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's just bad. annoying too much. Too much. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't feel that way at all. No. <laughs> loved her. Loved her. Loved her. Loved her. Loved, and I loved. I loved the costumes. I loved that there was never a, a boob window in any no. jumpsuit. Oh, at least nothing they, got, they was, didn't do that. God. Yeah, there was nothing that was too tight. Nothing got ripped. I mean, they had all the. And they were still attractive. They were still and lovely was, and yeah, they were comfortable <laughs> and powerful and capable of kicking butt and, and taking names. Le- Leslie uh, Jones, second favorite. Um, I agree. Yeah, she, I agree. I, I was worried about what they were going to do with that role. And if anything, that was um, my biggest um, pleasant surprise from the film is I thought that her role was beautiful. The, the idea that when that, that you first enter that scene and she's in the, um, the ticket booth in the subway, and I yeah. was like, oh, my God, this is not what I expected at all. <laughs> and then when she met the Ghostbusters and just threw out her story, you you got a complete story of her. Mm-hmm. You yeah. knew who she was, where she had been, and you yeah. just wanted to sit down and have a talk with her. Right. Well, that was good. That's good writing and mm-hmm. good character development. And it's what they could have done, like you said, with Chris Hemsworth's character. And what oh, yeah. And fell short of. like, And it didn't take... It doesn't, people, it doesn't take long. It just, and they obviously have the talent the for it. That's why I'm saying yeah. that I think they got stuck on some, just some bullet-pointed agenda items. Yeah. And that yeah. was, um, somebody had the great idea that to put Hemsworth in this film and make him stupid, that would be hilarious. It's like, right, calm yeah. down. Right. Don't, yeah. don't throw all the cooks in the kitchen Right. And remember how good you are at what you're doing, because like mm-hmm. we said, we both said there's some dead on good humor in here. Mm-hmm. There, there is. Some- and there is. And I hope people do check it out and do see it for that and do see it on the big screen, because I thought the the special effects were outstanding. Yeah. I thought they did. It was it was a beautiful movie. And in terms of the special effects, especially knowing that they had rebuilt, you know, all of um, New York City. <laughs> That was all not really New York City. So, <laughs> you know, they did a really good job. So Yeah. And I had heard, um, wanted to ask you this. I read one review today because I was curious to find out some of these people call it a mess. Um, mm-hmm. Someone say that the they used way, way too much action. Yeah. I, I thought I thought that I thought the action was was quite balanced. I mean, between they had a lot of scenes where there was a lot of talking and a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, dialogue. And I don't know. Did you feel that way? No, not really. I I kind of enjoyed it. And I think what when when I talk about, um, for instance, uh, how I felt like that a remake was a bad choice, that it should have been a reboot, because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that they did extremely well was like modernize their weapons. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I was going to I was going to point that out too, mm-hmm. like the sleekness of their weapons mm-hmm. um and just her her cleverness with yeah. how she designed them. I just was like at the end when she gives them um the additional weapons. Yeah. Um I was just like, wow, these are really, you know, cleverly thought mm-hmm. out and you could tell a lot of time and energy went into to yeah. the creation of that and I love that part. I think that that part of the reboot you you're still paying homage because they're still in the jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. They still yeah. have the backpacks. Yeah, they and they still still pull them over their shoulders like yep. they did too, you know, and yeah. But it makes sense to have, you know, a bat belt. Right, exactly. And it was it it was really smart. Once you begin, yeah. and I I love the, the way that they did that scientific process where mm-hmm. they're they're lugging the equipment on a car, right? And then yeah. someone says, "Hey, we need this," and then right. they're like, "Okay, this isn't powerful enough. Hey, we need this." Right. It, it yeah. was a great evolution of scientific thought. Now, mm-hmm. I thought they spent too much time saying a bunch of really big science words. Yes, okay, we get it. They're supposed to be smart. Isn't it great? Right. Women can say big words. <laughs> I think that their actions and the way they handled themselves could have communicated that better. I mean, the, the scene with them in the alley with the new weapons was an exact yeah. example. Yeah, and I love that. I love that we watched them you know, testing it out and that they had the little, you know, outline of the ghosts that they were all shooting at. And I really felt like we got to see their evolution as Ghostbusters in a way that we never saw the evolution of the other characters. Yeah, and that was fun. Oh, I, it was fun. I love the I really backstory of the two friends. And I did too. they did a, a touch on uh, Christian Wiggs background yeah. about why she did a 180. I think as far as Melissa McCarthy is concerned, I think they could have let her loose a little more. Yeah, I thought so, too. She was very reined in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, again, I kind of appreciated that because I really was worried it was going to be the show between the two of them of, you know, just two, the crazy kind of mm-hmm. comedy stuff that they do. So I was glad that it wasn't that. But I think you're right that it was maybe a little too tight on her. I believe, just like in a comic book, with between a comic book writer and an artist, I believe if you if you understand your pairing well, you mm-hmm. you know how to write for that artist. You know how to draw for that right. writer. And right. Melissa McCarthy is extremely versatile. She's a right. physical comedian, but she's she also has good timing. And I mm-hmm. think if you had played her character up as the over-enthusiastic I mean, she was so excited about finally finding an apparition and fun- maybe making her over-enthusiastic with marketing or make her over-enthusiastic with helping everybody or whatever. Yeah. Not um, extreme like Patty was. I mean, Patty was her own person, and she right. dealt with things in a very loud and um, physical way. I don't know. I just think I just think that there's, yeah. there, she has a lot of facets that she could have dealt with that wouldn't yeah. go anywhere Some near opportunities there. Uh, yeah. The uh movie you were talking about what was in the movie? Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Yeah. 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 She's she's got a lot of, she's got a lot of a lot of good range. So. So the only other problem that I had was I did not completely feel the urgency of the big scene at the end. Uh the big boss. Mm. Um, I'm not quite sure they delivered that story well enough to make me feel like that New York was in danger. I think that ties back to 
um, the Hemsworth, the lacking yes. in the Hemsworth story. Good. Yeah. Um, I think that 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 connects to that where if we had more investment in him as a person yep. and a character, we would have felt, it would have felt more urgent. Yeah. Um, I also felt like some of it, again, I feel like maybe something was edited out. Like I didn't understand why he had them all like frozen and in a dance. Oh yeah. Position. They totally chopped that thing up. They had I don't know what, like something just like really. That was weird. Missed there. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand some of what was kind of happening with that end scene. And so again, like I said, I think it was, it was poorly edited. And if we had had more love for Chris Hemsworth, if there had been Mm -hmm. more connection between him and the, and the, um, the Ghostbusters, I think that end scene would have been more. Well, think of it. If we go back to what you were saying before about how it does not take very much Mm -hmm. to create agency. It takes a lot of skill. But it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of words necessarily to create agency and endearment. Because if we look back at the original, there was a lot of buildup to this big boss because it was associated with someone close to Mm -hmm. the Ghostbusters. Now, that's exactly what happened in the new one. But what's the difference? Right. Well, um Sigourney Weaver goes to the Ghostbusters. She's hesitant. She's kind of embarrassed, but that sure as heck, something going on in her apartment. She has right. some one-on-one with them. They discuss it, and then we see her alone and vulnerable and get overtaken. Right. Well, right. she has a neighbor, um, Moranis. Yeah. Yep. We see him very, very little, but we completely know everything about him. Right. Right. And when he gets taken over, it's humorous, but we feel bad for him. Right. Now, right. he could have. We already have enough empathy for his character. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Hemsworth could not have had any less screen time than Moranis did. There's, there's no way. And we love mm-hmm. Moranis more. Right. Right. Yeah. Well done. It was just well, it was well done. Yeah. Yep. But I want another one. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> Did you watch it all the way to the end? Oh, I wa- oh yeah, I know. oh yeah. Okay, so all right, this is what we'll leave you people with: is you need to there. The, it's there really really popular to do the scene yeah. at the end. Yeah, there's one at the credits, and then right. there's one all the way. And I think the one well, and I think the credits while the credits are rolling, there's something for you to watch yes. as well, at least in the beginning of it. Yep, which I think is really them getting their money's worth out of Hemsworth. Oh yeah, yeah. Time in the movie. That's what so. I wanted in the film. Right, exactly. You wanted you wanted to look at him and laugh and enjoy. And when they, when that came in, I was like, ah, that's right. what they left out. Right, like that, yeah. like that. You know, that fun mm-hmm. element of it, and it was just missing. You're right. So yeah, but yeah, definitely stick around to the end. Yeah, we had a, there are a lot of people left our theater, and I was like, you people are dumb. Silly, down. silly, silly. Sit down, sit down. You're gonna miss it <laughs> because that one little scene at the end. Mm-hmm. Bam! It's mm-hmm. Like oh, everybody who stayed, everybody went. <gasps> I know. <laughs> I, we did too. I was like, yes, that was fantastic. All right, yeah. So, and I like that. I like it. it was good. It was good. Yeah, I want I want another one too. I love, like I said, I love Holtzman. Um, I already looked on Amazon today for yellow glasses to try to figure oh, out how. Sweet. 
actually cosplay. I'm going to see if I can cosplay her for Rose City Comic Con next month in Portland. Oh, so. good for you. Yeah, see, and I've never cosplayed before, so this is, it's like, perfect. serious business for me if I'm, like, actually seriously looking into yeah. cosplaying me. You know, I have, and, you know, I'm not... I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm a PhD, but I'm not, I'm not a scientist like that, but I relate so much to that, like, just being so out there with, like, your thinking mm-hmm. and being around the people who think you're just nuts, like, that I just, yeah, I love her. <laughs> I just love her. Our new screensaver. Mm-hmm. All fun. <laughs> well, summer's a great time to catch up on your TV watching, to binge those episodes or an entire season, or maybe dig around for that movie that you said, I'll save that for later. Um, we are giving some recommendations for the kind of things we're binging this summer. Regina, what have you got going? I just discovered Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> have you watched it? Yeah. Oh, my God. It is so funny. It is so it is so good. You want to talk about good writing? Yeah, it's really Oh, my funny. God. It's great no thing like I thought it was going to be. It's not I I had not I hadn't I didn't know I mean I had heard a little buzz about it but not a lot and I didn't know it was a musical and I, I didn't know I just didn't know anything about it and I started watching it and I'm like, Where have you been my whole life? Yeah. Like seriously, where have you been my whole life? And I was um I was trying to figure it out what it is I like about it so much and I'm a sucker for a musical. I will be the first to admit that. That I love musical theater just Pretty much everything. I really do. Well, it was what I thought I was going to do. Like, seriously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spend, you know, my high school years and my early years in college training to be in musical comedy. So, you know, yeah, it definitely has a a warm space in my heart. My heart. So I tried to figure out what it is about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, because you can fail with a musical on TV so easily. Like, yeah, you know, there have been some bad ones. Um, but I tried to figure out what it was about this. And it really is that juxtaposition of, like, these, like, peppy and cheery or dark and dismal songs that just kind of, like, they, they're managing to work the music in really well. Yeah, they, they do. And it's really smart, smartly written music. Mm-hmm. Because you can get really cheesy really quick, and they're not doing that. And... um there was one song in the episode I just finished. I only started a few days ago. I'm, I'm halfway through the season, I think. <laughs> right? That's a good sign. Binge. Binge, yeah. Um, where uh, she's singing a song, and she's like, I'm the villain of my own story. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Just brilliant. I mean, yeah. a brilliant turn on the tropes and, you know, all kinds. Mm-hmm. Just It was just great. Like, they, they just did a great job with it. Anyway, so. And I they really explore a lot of musical genres, too. I mean, this oh just isn't, you know, Oklahoma. Right. Exactly. Like, you're not just bursting into song when you're feeling good or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they have. In a rap um, battle. Oh, yeah, they had a rap battle. Oh, God, I wish I loved that one. Um, but I love the... Um, her boss, when he's having the guys over, when he does the, like, disco, I'm having a few people over song. Oh, my God, it was so funny. And I'm, like, I'm watching it by myself. And I hate watching comedies by myself and laughing out loud. But I just can't help myself. I just I just keep laughing. Yeah. It's funny. So I definitely recommend it. It got four, is it four Emmys, nominated for four Emmys, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I totally, totally deserved one for the um the opening credits music. Yeah. So, yeah. 
what's your recommendation for streaming, Rhonda? Um, well, a few weeks ago, I think it was July 4th weekend, um, I was looking around for some things to watch while my mom was here and discovered that on Amazon Prime, they you can um, purchase cable network channels right. um, monthly or annually or whatever, just like everybody always says they wish that Time Warner Cable would do, you know, it's like... Right, it could parse out. Yeah, can, can we do the buffet thing? And, yeah. um, but they have a few channels. They don't have them all. Um, right. And Stars is one of them, and we got a seven-day trial, and they've got several Pixar and Disney movies out there, which we've burned through like crazy. But they also have uh, Ash versus Evil. <laughs> and we've been binging it because we have a seven-day nice. trial. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised with this. Um, if you are an Evil Dead fan, I, um, I assume you're already watching it because you're an Evil Dead right. fan. Yeah. Um, and you know already that it is very much attuned to the original films and it keeps that heart and that mood and that genre. It does everything that Ghostbusters could have done. Um, right. It is. Uh, continues the story. It has new characters, but they fit. But they keep all the gallons and gallons of blood. They keep the chainsaws. Um, nice. They keep the, all the important parts. Yes, all of the important parts. And it's um, I, it was just a really pleasant surprise. And they, they've got Lucy Lawless. I mean, you can't go wrong. Right. Yeah. Campbell. Okay. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it if you can. If you've got seven days. Um, you can uh, do the trial, Ash versus Evil. If that's your thing. Awesome. Yep, that's very cool. I've been I've been considering that. I've I really like that we have these options. Like they have HBO now, mm-hmm. um, so you don't have to have. I mean, I think it's it is the way of the future, as it should be. We should be able to pick and choose what we want. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, next month will be the last of our summer movie series. Mm-hmm. So um, August will be the end of our summer blockbuster podcast series. Uh, we'd love your feedback. Um, if you'd like to give us some feedback about Ghostbusters, if you saw it, please go to thegeekembassy.com and let us know what you yeah. think. We have some great movies um, that end sort of the big hurrah, I think, for summer movies. Uh, is coming out in August. We have Star Trek Beyond, Suicide Squad, Shh. Pete's Dragon, and Kubo and the Two Strings. So there's there's a lot mm. coming out. Yeah, the big stuff. Yeah, and I'll probably see Ben Hur, but that's just a that's a nostalgia thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are the Geek Embassy. I'm Rhonda Oglesby, the Wild Card Ambassador, telling you there's booze in the blender, and soon it will render the frozen concoction that helps me hang on. <laughs> Perfect summer drink, right? <laughs> and I'm Regina McMenemy, the lead ambassador for the Geek Embassy. If you haven't already, please pre-order my book, Mothering the Game, available right now on Inkshares. Uh, check out my Twitter at DocLiz with two Zs uh, for details and updates on my writer, writing projects. Um, I'm working on the book. I've also started writing for another website called uh, Screen Prism, where I'm doing a little bit more detailed analysis of movies and television, so you can check that out as well. Um, but I repost those on the embassy, so they'll be cross-pollinated. <laughs> cool. 
the Geek Embassy podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Uh, you can check out those links at thegeekembassy.com. And definitely check out the content we have coming out from our ambassadors. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, get your geek on.